Hey guys, welcome to the Week in Review. Glad to be back with you guys. <laughs> Hope that you had a fantastic weekend. Uh, I know that we did up at winter camp, and so a uh, little bit tired going into this coming week uh, of small groups, but we're not going to let that deter us from the deter task. At, yeah, yeah, from the task at hand, and that is coaching and leading small groups. And so we're thankful for you guys. Before we jump into the uh, intersect, we'd love to give you the announcements, but we don't know what they are. So check out your loop. <laughs> They'll be included in the email and also online. But um, this is we have this week and three weeks left, so we're in the middle. A small group, and this is my favorite time of small group. We're all getting past the niceties of small group and getting to know each other and yeah. flushing out some real deal struggles, and it's, it's good. It's a good time. And it was a good time to capitalize on that last week, I think, in this when we're talking about the issue of suffering. And I just want to say thank you, Beth, for your suggestion of asking the follow-up question of what, what has been a passage that has brought you peace or... Uh, you found comfort in through your struggling and through your suffering. I know for our small group, I didn't prep them because, yeah, that took foresight and that didn't happen <laughs> last week. But I just asked it in the open and there was one woman in particular in my small group who literally looked at her Bible and said, well, that's what all these tabs are for. And she had little stick, sticky notes all throughout her Bible on different passages that she has marked for different hardships or things in her life. And so she got, I can just flip to them. And then on them is a note of why I found this comforting. And so she just read us through a few of those, and that was really, really cool. And it was also neat to see that inside of our small group, there's multiple people that are clinging to the same passage mm-hmm. and whatnot. So that was neat, too. And and so hopefully that was um, uplifting for you guys in a tough small group last week. This week, good news is... Is it's not a suffering. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. And so jumping into Steve's discussion, uh, really continuing in our series above of Above All. And what we did is we rolled through a passage where really it's talking about the uh, preeminency of Christ and how Christ is supposed to be supreme in our life. And that is demonstrated through this act of baptism. I know it was tough for some of you because to get to the baptism part of the sermon, we had to go through the circumcision part of the sermon. Which is fun. Yeah. So for some of you, you don't realize that the last half of the sermon is about baptism (laughs) because you checked out on the circumcision part. But that's what the sermon was about. So awkward. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're going to say it like it is. So we're jumping into baptism. Luckily, good news for you. We didn't ask any questions in the intersect. About, oh my God. About circumcision. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to jump right into the baptism. So, Tim doesn't prep me for these statements. He's no way. It's, so it's just so, so much better off the cuff. I am with you yes, as awesome. he says that. All right. So, jumping into do. an intersect on baptism, the first question we're going to ask is what stuck out to you? By the way, that's probably going to be circumcision. <laughs> <laughs> so, once you move past the question number one, it's going to get much better. So, moving to question number two, then. Um, <laughs> Beth, how do you think we should prep ourselves? Because this is a cool, again, usually this is our discussion question, get to know you kind of stuff. And we're going to have us sharing our testimonies about baptism. But we, we think we should preface it. What should we preface it with? Well, so there's going to be potential for some people in your group to have not been baptized. So we can't start the group based on the assumption that everyone's been baptized, mm-hmm. first of all. And then second of all, as we go into um the night, I would just kind of start it out with like, hey, if you're not there, like, that's that's fine. We love you. Like, let's talk about it. Maybe why or why not. But let's not um, 
like what and oh and really but just kind of have show a lot of grace in that in how you guys do it so maybe it's just show of hands who's been baptized or something something along those lines but we want to make sure that we don't single anyone out especially if you, you go into your group and you know like i know i know that there is uh, a couple of my group that still have not been baptized and so um kind of prefacing that so when i when i go to ask this question like hey we want to share some of our stories about of being baptized, but let's also recognize inside this room that not everyone has taken that step mm-hmm. and we haven't taken that. They might not have taken that step for other reasons. So different reasons. So let's just be sensitive to that as we go and then jump into that. And then I think Steve's follow-up question is if for those who haven't been baptized, um, if they haven't already shared this, my particular group had these kind of conversations where, well, what's the reasoning behind that? A lot of times what you find out is there's some, there's some real reasons there. I've had a fear of phobias of water. That was a big deal. Mm-hmm. We had to walk an individual in our group through that. We've had um, some people cling cling really, really tightly to their infant baptism and the fact that the promises that God made over them. And so that's you know, there's a greater theological discussion we can have in there about what Steve talked about this weekend about believers' baptism mm-hmm. and why we believe that baptism is not a, a some decision that was made for you, but it's a decision that you made for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so those kind of things going in. So don't just think, oh, it's because they're lazy. They're not there yet or what? They don't really love Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So be careful with that. And but, be careful to not try to solve the problem for them, but maybe walk them through the steps and yeah. not not applying <clears throat> judgment in the, the context of when you're walking them through the steps. And baptism is one of those things too for us. We want at Crosspoint, we want to make sure that we are given every opportunity for somebody to be baptized. Mm-hmm. And so we've done baptisms at our Tobacco campus, at our Vines campus. We've done baptisms inside of the small group. We've done baptisms inside backyards. Uh, it's a public profession, but when God says there's not a magical number, there has to be 50 people or more, or it has mm-hmm. to be, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's just public. And so uh, I say that to you is, is, as a small group leader, to encourage lovingly walk along somebody in that journey towards baptism if you do have someone that's not there yet. Uh, skipping down into the next question, after you kind of do some sharing, <clears throat> you can go into the verses and Steve really just gave us two passages here. And the first passage is real quick. Mm-hmm. It's just two verses, but it's significant in the fact that it talks about, um, speaking, uh, it talks about kind of this idea of life and death, right? In this idea of that, that Jesus has paid it all for our life and have we joined Jesus in his death and have we joined Jesus in his new life. And, and so um, in this passage, what's hard is, is Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. He's speaking in extremes, but he's speaking in extremes to prove a point. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the idea that we want to make sure that we understand that, that, that as he's speaking in these extremes, that there is this, there's this idea that we will follow Jesus in his suffering. Like we talked about last week, but as we follow Jesus in his suffering, also we follow Jesus in his life. And so you can jump into that, kind of pull some stuff out of there. You know, how is Jesus, in what ways has Jesus paid it all for you? Have you seen that evident in your life? But what we want to do is we want you to progress into Romans 6. And we've taken a much bigger piece of the passage. You could read this entire passage here. Mm -hmm. I think that the latter half of Romans 6 clues you into the, what we're going to be discussing next weekend, uh, which will be really good. Yeah, but the first half of Romans 6, I broke it down just in my own mind into three different sections, kind of verses 1 through 4, verses 5 through 11, and then verses 12 through 14. Um, in verses 1 through 4, he's really talking about we've been baptized into death. Again, we're, 
when we're submerged under water, like Steve said this week, and we join Jesus in his death. And then he talks about that when Jesus died, he 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 died to bring death, and that's death to sin, death to evil, right? And so, how have you, um, how have you been killing sin, or how have you been allowing that death to come to the sin in your life? What is the best best way? to put sin to death in your life. And how have you seen that? You know, and again, we're going to, this is kind of cluing us into next weekend, but this idea that oftentimes we either go to rebellion or religion when mm. it comes to sin. And so kind of how does these things play out? And then that kind of folds into the verses five through 11 again, kind of stirring that up. But then I think when we get to verses 12 through 14, um, it talks about presenting yourself to the Lord, right? Presenting yourself to sin, but then presenting yourself to the Lord um, and then I, I think a great follow-up question is, is, you know, not, not with what we say, but with how we live, how are we presenting ourselves to the Lord? What is our life telling God right now? And how is that, you know, if we are baptized believers, we've taken the step, we made our faith public. What is our public life currently saying? And what is it presenting to the Lord? Could be a question. Probably you should wordsmith that a little better, but you know. I'll wordsmith it. Okay, good. That's going to clean that up for us inside the note no, sheet. No, but I think that that's a great, a great follow-up question. And just another one that I would have is, if we truly died to our old self and our old ways, how would our life be different? Yeah. You know, like I think about the sins and struggles. You know, I've been a long lifetime believer, but the sins and struggles that still come up that I... I'm not putting to death, you know, and just if we truly die to that old self, that old nature, what our lives would look like today and just how um, radically different we would be. And so I think that what you're cluing in here too, in the Christian life, there's this death cycle, life and death cycle. Mm -hmm. So God is making all things new, Mm -hmm. but in the process of all things new, the old things are still always dying. And so Mm -hmm. in your life, how are, how are the old things going away and how are the new things coming in? And what's this death cycle for your life? How are, what is God killing off in your life right now? These, Mm -hmm. these old sinful desires and wants and lusts and whatever else they are. And what is the new things that God is replacing those with? And, are you marking them? Are you just sitting stagnant in a pool of water? You know, mm-hmm. you're just this, there's nothing new and there's nothing old. There's just what is, what it is, what it is. That's not faith. That's not life. That's this, 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 that's not the, the journey that, that Jesus wants us that's on. That's good. So, I mean, just recognizing that purifying process and that some of us are in different stages yep. of it. So lastly is the question number four. And this is a little bit different question. And I think Steve struggled to try to find a way to kind of close this down in, in that, and there's a lot of different ways that we can go at it. And so what I thought about doing this is we're talking about remodeling and resurrection, right? And what Jesus says is a really kind of poignant line. I love the line in the sermon is, is the way Je- the way of Jesus is not remodeling. Jesus is not just trying to clean things up, put a new, you know, Facade. coat of paint on it. He's not trying to fix the leak in the basement. He mm-hmm. completely decimates it. This is a resurrection. This is a completely new thing that God is doing. And so I think when we look at different categories of our life, when it comes to baptism, we're, we're dead to the old life. We're submerged underwater and we're raised from the water in new life. So how are we, when it comes to facing temptation, when it comes to dealing with stress, when it comes to stepping out in faith, what does a remodel look like? Hmm. And maybe what does resurrection look like? Can we identify some things? Yeah, that's probably just me trying to, you know, make the room look a little bit better. 
or this is what probably what new life should look like. So what's the difference between these two and categories? Contrasting yep. thoughts and ideas. Maybe as leaders come prepared, you know, just in case this question was one that was a little bit more difficult to answer, yep. you would come prepared with examples from your own life of resurrection. You know, the resurrection. Perfect. Yeah. All right, guys, it's going to be a great week as we talk about baptism. Hopefully, we're going to see some people in your small groups that have not taken that step of faith take that step of faith because of your guys' willingness to shepherd and pour in. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you guys. Awesome. Awesome.